You know, the punk rock princess known as Avril Lavigne recently brought emo back. And all I can say is, thank God, because she says, you should have known better than to fuck with someone like me. And I mean, she just took the words right out of my mouth because that is exactly how I feel. But she's talking about an ex-boyfriend. You know me, not so much. I'm not talking about an ex-boyfriend. I'm talking about the garbage media. Mm Mm-hmm. It's going down today. It's going down. Okay. So get settled because I am going to read to you an op-ed that I wrote in response to this ongoing unfolding business insider hit piece on Barstool Sports founder, Dave Portnoy, attempting to peg him for sexual misconduct. And the whole conversation, right, is really about this, about women speaking up and accusations and allegations and me too. Now I talk about this through my lens as somebody, and not many people can say this, who was literally on the front line, on the red carpet in Hollywood, when and where me too, first started and how given that I don't think what business insider and the mainstream media is doing is actually helping women. But guess what? No one will answer me. And if they do, they won't take it. But the good news is bitch, I don't have to depend on your ass anymore because I got my own show. So too bad for you. Okay. It's still going to get out there. So before I have this story time of ages, I'm going to give you a little bit of a refresher, a little bit of, you know, backdrop context, which will then lead to this oral reading of your life and the climax you never knew you needed. Okay. It's like you thought you thought, all right. So here's a little bit of a timeline to update you. Like in case you've been orbiting around Mars with Jeff Bezos. Okay. So I did an episode on the Dave Portnoy business insider hit piece. Now, when I shot that episode, I know many of you have listened um, and liked it. I'm really glad it was the morning after the business insider piece about Dave was published. So at that point, we really knew nothing. All he had done at that point was this like very quick press conference, right? One of his press conferences about being like, holy shit, like I already kind of denying it being like, if this is true, I feel awful, but it's not. Okay. So it was very early when I did my episode, but I still stand by everything I said in it. If anything, now what we've come to learn, because this guy has just been like putting someone check if business insider has a pulse, like literally he has just been putting them in their grave because he's been revealing more and more every day. And if anything, I'm like, I should have even gone more ham on these people. Right. But that's why I have this um, piece in this episode today. So what ends up happening is Dave Portnoy leaves little, he starts revealing basically how much of a joke business insider is. He starts revealing all like just all this bad, like it's not making them look good. Okay. He's showing like unearthed tweets about how they want to take down Barstool and just like take down anyone they can and character assassinate and it'll be good for clickbait and it'll get attention. Just like, it's not good. You know, stuff with the writer and deleted tweets and biases against Barstool, like just a mess. Okay. A mess. So at that point I write the op-ed and I pitch it out to everyone around town, like you name it. Okay. Like your local newspaper heard from me. Okay. Like the printing press is well aware 
and you know me, like every day I'm hustling. Okay. Like I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the pavement, no time to kill. And so I hear like crickets, tumbleweed crickets. Okay. However, I do hear from two legacy establishment, you know, of course, woke, um, publications who right away are like, Taylor, we can't take this piece. No, we can't. So me, I'm like, I'd love to know why nothing, right? Crickets, tumbleweed. Okay. It's kind of like Dave Portnoy, same thing. He invited business insider to have a sit. He's like, bring your mom, your cousin, the CEO, bring 20 cameras. I don't give a shit. Let's sit down and hash this out. And he's like, they literally were just like a thief in the night, nowhere to be seen. So it's the same idea. It's like, why are you so quiet? You know, one outlet, I'm going to get into this in a bit, but one outlet that I pitched to, it was funny because they wrote me saying, Oh, okay. You pulled my arm. It was the Atlantic. Okay. They wrote me back and they were like, you know, this is such a thoughtful, urgent piece, but we can't take it. And there was literally a part of me that wanted to be like, if it's so thoughtful and urgent, why can't you take it, bitch? You know? So I wrote back though, in a more, you know, cordial way. And I said, you know, would love to have feedback as to why not nothing, nothing, zero. Like as Erica Jane would say, how many fucks did they give? Zero, zero, none. And by the way, this is not like an entitled, you know, oh, they should, you know, but her, you know, they should have published my piece. You know, it's always a hit or miss when you're writing something. It's always a risk. It's always a chance you have to take. It's never guaranteed. And it could very well be that they just didn't like the piece or they didn't think it was a great piece, which that is totally fine. Again, I don't mean to come in here and being like, how could you, how dare you not take my piece of brilliant Nobel Pulitzer worthy. No, like I understand they could just very well think it's not a great piece. I mean, I disagree with that in set assessment, but it's more of a bigger, it's part of a bigger picture here. And, you know, a pattern that I happen to see all the time from the inside. So pitch it out. And then after I'd already pitched it out. Okay. Dave Portnoy then does his emergency press conference where he like literally buries business insider alive. I watched the entire thing. Now this guy had, he is like not to be fucked with. He has mounds and mounds and mounds of evidence because if you don't know the, basically what he says is he's like this piece in business insider, it quotes two or three women. And he's like, what it's doing is alleging that I raped them without explicitly saying that. Right. So he comes out with all of these receipts and it is just, you are like, yikes. Okay. He, and he's like, thank God that I happen to have these DMS and I happen to have this, or I happen to have that because otherwise it would just be a, he said, she said, and my life would be ruined. My business, my reputation, this, that, you know, whatever of it isn't already. So like, honestly, the mummy could never. So he has these, and I'm watching it and I am just like, yikes. Now, even in the episode that I did about this, I was giving these women the benefit of the doubt. I said, I do, I don't not believe them. I don't believe them. I don't want to say they can't, you know, say anything. And, you know, if anything, you're going to hear in the op-ed, but I almost feel like this isn't like, they can say whatever they want. This is more on business insider for putting them in such a shitty position and doing such a botched job. Right. So he comes out guns blazing with these receipts and you guys, it is like, I call my friend right after. And I said, this is literally the worst. Like he had, it, it couldn't have gotten any worse. Like 
unfortunately, to discredit these people. Like it was the receipts were a combination of things like, you know, one of them messaging him after the fact being like, oh, you know, you're leaving Nantucket. I'm so sad. You know, one of them was like, after they had sex, they were like, I can't believe Dave Portnoy is still in my DMs. You know, like, hey, Dave Portnoy, what's up? You know, but it got worse. Like it literally got exponentially worse. And you're just like, holy shit, I can't look away. Like a tractor trailer car crash. You just couldn't. Okay. I just, I literally just aggressively spit because that's how much you need to know. He even digs up a comment on TikTok from one of these women accusing him, basically saying, nowhere in the article does it say that it wasn't consensual, AKA saying it was consent. Okay. One of the girls, obviously, and I talk about in the first episode how, you know, even he says, is this political? What? Because I interviewed Trump once and we breathe the same air. Like, are you joking? One of the girls who is cited in the article, he unearths this post she did where she obviously hates Trump. And after Dave Portnoy interviews him, she is out here like, wow, Dave Portnoy, my worst fuck I ever had. What a loser. You know, I knew he was the worst. You know, I'm sticking to athletes from now on with like all these dollar bill emojis. And then she says something to the effect of, you know, if I ever need to bury him, I will. But it gets worse, okay? It literally gets even worse because you have, they cited one girl in the article who he's like, I don't even know. And he shares, he comes to share a TikTok of her laughing and joking with her friends about how she just makes up and manipulates people like professors and whatnot about being sexually assaulted. Like it, you are like this, it literally couldn't get any worse. This is just the cliff notes. Okay. So after he comes out with all of this, I recirculate my pitch to everybody. And I'm like, I'm just pinging this. Hello. It's a carrier pigeon of your dreams. I am here, knock, knock, cock-a-doodle-doo, you know, and the top of your inbox to refresh you. He just did this press conference. It's fresh. And even still, he's on all these, like, new shows talking about, like, how insane this is and how this is total character assassination, et cetera. And still, I'm like, you know, I think the piece has a really important message um, and is worth taking a look at. And it has something people need to hear. Silence, Okay. So this, so this is like, that's the timeline. Okay. Of where we're at, like this whole tango, like that's just like a hot ass mess. So this is why though, and it's everything he says to in this press conference, just like reinforces and reiterates everything I said, like in my episode, in the op-ed about why we need to be careful about like, you know, destroying any man at the drop of a hat over an allegation. Oh, he also shows, he talks about a police report that's in the article and he shows how it like, they don't show the police report because it doesn't coincide. It doesn't like gel with their story. So it's basically, it's just a fucking dumpster fire mess. Okay. It's all you need to know. So it just makes me think given my piece and you're going to hear it. It just makes me think that these the mainstream media doesn't really want to help women. Now on the surface, right? You would be like, well, what do you mean? Yes, they do. They've already painted Dave Portnoy to be a monster. They're on this, you know, believe all women narrative. Isn't that good for women? And you're going to see it's actually not. And that's what makes me think these people don't actually really want to help women. Now, this is the second time, the fucking second time that I've pitched an op-ed 
with my input from being face to face in the flesh with a handful of our Kelly survivors. Now this, like one of them even says this man went on and on for so long that there is a two decade span between me and some of the girls here who got abused by him. Okay. This is the second time now I've used their input in an op-ed that people won't pick up. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, is it because these women they are the ones that you guys are all doing this for, but because even they are against your narrative, you won't run it. So how much do you actually want to help women? The first op that I pitched was the end of 19 beginning 2019, beginning of 2020. And that one had a, little, a slightly different angle. And that was where I argued using their input that celebrities, huge A-listers with huge reach and security and clout should be more vocal about abusers in Hollywood. Like even Dave Chappelle called this out in his recent episode. He's like, nobody, even one of the girls too, who I interviewed, Faith Rogers says, nobody wants to sacrifice themselves for somebody else's happiness. Dave Chappelle made that point too. He's like, yeah, these Hollywood women all day long are yay, me too. I don't see them doing shit because they're not going to, you know, they're not going to sacrifice their work or their personal relationships to this exact or that, you know, they're not going to do that. So they're not really going to put their neck out, even if it's to help women like this who got abused for 20 years because they don't have that platform, right? That was the idea. And I even was like, look, they're saying it. Again, no one picked it up. Why? Because God forbid you can't. And listen, I'm not saying just because you're a celebrity, you're any less of a victim. Of course you are. But it's that that idea again of sacrifice, right? It's like, do you have a responsibility for the greater good? If you really want to stop this, if you really want to end this, otherwise these men are going to keep going and going. Right. But no one's going to run that because they're not going to tell a celebrity that they have to do this or that, you know, a celebrity woman, a, a very, you know, high profile, powerful, you know, beloved celebrity woman, they're not going to put them in the hot seat like that. Right. So that was really unfortunate. That was the first one. Now in this one, I have theories about why no one has um, taken it, you know, and obviously like the most blatant is that they've already, you know, decided that Dave Portnoy is, a you know, scumbag loser, you know, piece of shit, misogynist, right. Racist, whatever. And this is where, like, I feel like on the show, I often talk about how much of a joke the, I mean, you all know, right. How big of a joke the mainstream media is, but I don't know that I give you really concrete examples because I just figure it's all common knowledge. And like, we all know that it's a joke, but this is what I mean. And this is where like, I experienced this even before it became so, so apparent now where it's become like literally an outward joke. And it's very existential because it's so, I don't know if you guys really, I want you to really understand the magnitude. Like it is so overbearing and and like widespread, just how in their box and controlling the mainstream narrative is and just how aggressive it is and how hard it is to break through and have a voice. I mean, we've already seen it. Talk about predetermined narratives. The mainstream media, they, they decide, you know, what medicine works for everybody. They decide the outcome of trials. They decide if somebody like Dave Portnoy is a bad person, like they decide regardless of facts, regardless, it's like, they just decide their opinion, their view. That's just what rolls. 
And this is why it's so overbearing and why it's so existential for somebody like me, because I experienced it in, you know, in the inner working in the systems, you know, Barry Weiss, Pete, Bill Maher, you know, people talk about this all the time now. And it's, it's really so stifling because you'll have an idea and your editor will say, no. And then the person above them will say no. Like it trickles down from the top that you have to have this like woke ideology. And then you get to a point where you're like, well, fuck it then. I'm not even going to try because they're going to say no. Their boss is going to say no. And everybody has to be in this one way of thinking. Even pitching this piece, it gives, it like gave me <clears throat> dread because I was thinking to myself, who is, you know what I mean? They're they're so set in their way, in their way of thinking, I'm thinking who's going to take this. And it really is. I mean, when it comes to pop culture, just think about how widespread, this is what I mean, where it feels like so insurmountable because it's, I'm just going to name some off the top of my head. Okay. You have, you know, Rolling Stone, Vox, Vice, Daily Beast, Vanity Fair, Vogue, um, you know, Cosmo, you know, even Playboy now, you know, GQ, like it goes on and on and on. So I just have this dread being like, holy shit, like, am I ever going to have a say? Again, the great thing is I have this show, but that's just how it, defeating it can feel, right? And like I said, it goes from the top down. So it just feels like you're constantly up against, you know, like the impossible, like this mountain, right? Of wokeness. And how do you break through with a different view? I mean, I don't know if you guys remember this, but remember when the New York Times posted an op-ed, right? Don't we want different opinions? Like straight up, this is not cute anymore. Like you have people around the world laughing in like communist countries being like, hey guys, like welcome to the party. Like it's not funny. And I don't know if you remember this, they, the New York Times published an op-ed by a Republican Senator, Tim Cotton, and they, it was a whole fucking brouhaha. Like the editor had to resign. They wrote a million pieces about why they posted it. It was a whole thing. And it's like, holy shit, can somebody have an opinion or not? And so it's really scary seeing it from the inside, seeing it from the outside, wondering how it's going to be moving forward. And if I will ever be employed, honestly, it is existential as fuck. Okay. And this even goes to show you, I mean, my friend said to me, we were talking about my Dave Portnoy episode. And she said to me, I was honestly, I respect her for being straight up. But she said, I haven't listened to it because I just feel like I won't agree with you. Like, at least you're honest, but you know, that's the problem. And it's really quite scary. And it's like, you don't even know what I have to say. Right. I wonder when I sent this out, how many people actually read it or if they read like the headline or they read my little pitch and were like, nope, because the sad part is it actually does have a really solid concrete message that I actually think would help women in the end, which again, why is why I'm like, I don't even think this is what they want to do. So before I read you the piece, here are some of my theories with all of that said about why no one would take this right. Number one, like I said, they already have their set in stone, you know, predetermined narrative that Dave Portnoy is a monster. Okay. The politics thing, because I mentioned here in the piece, I, there's like two sentences sentences that are, that say, you know, could it be because of this? Could it be because he was seen, you know, in a two foot radius of Trump, which this isn't about Trump. I know so many people are triggered, but like, oh my God. And honestly, like get over it, get over the guy. Like if you 
he has more control over you than you know if you still are in a tizzy over this guy. It's like an ex. It's like the person who is obsessive over the ex. Let it go if you really think he sucks so much. Okay, so this isn't about him, but of course, right? The mainstream, they're never going to take a piece that acknowledges wait, is this because he was associated with Trump? Nope, because Trump, just like Portnoy, monster, horrible, rotten, can't ever acknowledge that. No, again, can't even have a fucking other thought, right? Also, here's another one uh, against their narrative. I call out in the piece how Me Too is corrupt, which isn't a secret. We've learned this because they were in bed with Cuomo and everyone in the organization had to resign because the roof was blown off of that place. And they were exposed. So not a secret, but again, it's like, no, 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 no. It's like the whole idea of my first op-ed, right? Like me too in Hollywood, it's all perfect. And you can't challenge that. You can't, right? So they're not gonna, they're not gonna acknowledge that me too is corrupt. Okay. And it's that idea of like a believe all women, period. Like you can't even question, you can't, nope, nothing. Okay. So these are, oh, and also I say the word in a joke ivermectin nope unless it's being deemed a horse dewormer can't mention in the piece so these are some of my theories about um why no one has taken it so again it's all just a really sad state of affairs and like i need a drink okay so without further ado there is some background there is you know my media daily existential crisis that i've been having since like 2017 join the club like i can't even tell you it is and honestly that's a that's a huge reason that i did my own selfie sticks site would talk to me because I thought, you know what, if no one else is going to let me do it and ask the things I want to ask and have the conversations I want to have that aren't in their squeaky, clean, perfect little clean cut box narrative, I might as well just take it into my own hands, selfie stick and all and do it myself, bitch. Like this has been going on. Okay. Since the land before time, this is nothing new. All right. So get your popcorn, get your three musketeers and let's roll. I'm reading this off of my laptop. So, okay. Here's the piece. <clears throat> the, the title is called, I was on the front line of Hollywood's Me Too movement. Business insider's piece on Dave Portnoy isn't helping women. Drum roll. Here we go. Four years ago, countless A-listers donned black dresses and times up pins at the Golden Globes, gloating with pride like no pageant girl you've ever seen. 6.9 million people tuned in to watch. Well, I was there. As a red carpet reporter, I documented the event with passionate social media posts about how monumental this would be for women and my future daughters. While I challenged the Hollywood elite to keep the momentum by walking the walk and naming more sexual predators. I even called out celebrities and ease hypocrisy around me too in a Huffington Post op-ed. You'd think four years later, the morale would be stronger, but unfortunately, like our culture's ability to have a disagreement, my optimism has dried up. More than ever, I hope I will never have a loved one who survives an assault and needs to tell their story. I fear they wouldn't be believed, and we can thank the media for that. Last Friday, Business Insider published a story on Barstool Sports founder Dave Portnoy attempting to peg him for sexual misconduct. Misconduct. It was called, I was literally screaming in pain. 
Young women say they met Dave Portnoy for sex and it turned violent and humiliating. It paints Portnoy as a racist and misogynist while highlighting two women who allege him as being rough and traumatizing during sex. But unlike recounted stories about convicted felons like R. Kelly and Harvey Weinstein, it seems the experiences were consensual. They recount sliding into Dave Portnoy's DMs and communicating him with him for weeks. Full disclosure, I met with Dave Portnoy last year about a pitch I had for Barstool, but it didn't happen. So I'm not in bed with him, no pun intended, and don't inherently have a stake in defending him. But when I see mainstream media like Gawker calling him a quote piece of shit, it feels a little aggressive. Oddly enough, I was also in contact with Business Insider this spring, who was interested in an op-ed I'd penned on my Christy Teigen bullying experience and cancel culture. I turned it down because I felt they wanted a story that painted me as a victim, which wasn't what I wanted. And the piece ultimately ran in USA Today. Almost immediately after Business Insider's piece on Portnoy was published, he posted a video speaking for himself and clarifying and denying the allegations. In an era of woke tribalism and threatening people into silence, I respected his refusal to stay quiet. His fans flooded his account showing support, but they also revealed feelings I wasn't at all surprised by. Fatigue around women, quote, speaking out. There's valid concern for men like Portnoy being guilty until proven innocent at the sight of one allegation that may or may not be true, yet could destroy their life faster than you can say, Ivermectin. Hastily skewering men does not actually help me to, but instead has created a tidal wave of people discrediting women, including those with legitimate claims that can't be dismissed. I don't know what these women's motivations are or what really happened, and none of us may ever know. This actually isn't on them. It's on Business Insider for putting them in such an exposed position with a piece that has clear bias and seemingly botched reporting. While we're at it, where are the exposés on infamous womanizers like Leo DiCaprio or Colin Farrell? Or on celebrities with women half their age like David Foster and Zach Raff? Last I checked, they were celebrated. I'm not judging them but the media is awfully particular about who they target in this arena. Portnoy and his fans questioned if this is because he interviewed Trump and has been on Tucker Carlson. It's been all of five minutes since the Time's Up organization's downfall due to exposed alliances it had with elites like Andrew Cuomo. It seems political affiliation superseded alleged victims, and it painted the cause as a complete and utter joke to anyone with a pulse, especially someone who saw it unfold from its seemingly humble beginnings, like me. I also don't like how the piece and others about it portray these women as weak and incapable during their encounters with Portnoy. None of this is black and white. But if at that age, they can have the right to consent to life-altering decisions, like fighting in a war, getting an abortion, or permanently changing their gender, it really doesn't serve women to act as if they don't have any authority when it comes to sexual consent or saying no. The piece was also put behind a paywall. If these stories are important, why make people cough up change for them? Ronan Farrow would never. 
Portnoy subsequently invited the Business Insider team on his podcast for a fair, open discussion they could use however they'd like, yet they turned it down to let the story, quote, speak for itself. I want to see this toxic cancel culture disappear faster than David Cooperfield. (laughs) And love that Dave Portnoy is taking a stand while his pizza is flying off the shelves. Parentheses. His one bite sales just outperformed any other weekend. What I can't get behind is what the media has done to destroy what Me Too was supposed to be about. These women will continue to get dragged because of backlash against so many accusers. What happens when real victims of assault need attention, help, and resources? Ones who were forced against their will, perhaps drugged, coerced, or didn't have a choice to consent. Harvey Weinstein had 87 accusers and was found guilty of rape. R. Kelly was found guilty of dozens of accusers, some of them minors. Both went on for years. In late 2019, I interviewed a handful of R. Kelly survivors. Their plea to women, especially powerful, famous women, to speak out in hopes of saving and protecting people like themselves was strong and sincere. You got to encourage the nobodies to tell their stories so the somebodies can acknowledge it, Faith Rogers said, because speaking up matters. It carries significant weight. It's not meant to be tokenized, weaponized, or thrown around haphazardly. That's why I encourage Business Insider and the mainstream media to think twice about its motivations and who and what they amplify if they really want to help women to report fairly on factual, non-consensual, or illegal abuse with full transparency. I want the nobodies to be taken seriously and have the power of the somebodies, not be blown off and mocked. By the way, I pitched a piece with this input from R. Kelly survivors and their message to the Hollywood elite, to every mainstream publication under the sun in November 2019. Business Insider was one of them. They didn't pick it up. If you're baffled by their priorities, so am I. For the sake of real victims, let's hope that they can sort them out. So that is the piece. I hope you like it. I can't wait for your thoughts. If you want to see it, it definitely hits different when you read it than hearing it. Um, My school teacher reading abilities, I don't know, haven't sharpened them, brushed it off in a while until just now, but I can put it up on my site. Talk to me, Taylor, so you can see it and read it and have the full-blown experience, but let me know what you think. And, you know, again, it's just really sad because it makes you wonder. I think that this has a powerful message that will actually help women. Like I say, not, not, you know, roll, you know, cause people to roll their eyes or blow them off and, you know, listen to these, listen to the R Kelly survivors. You know, this is my second go around at trying to get them heard and it's not happening. And it makes me sad. And it makes me think again, do these people actually really want to help women or are they just so committed to crucifying people like Dave Portnoy? So with that said, I'm glad that you guys could hear it today, pass it along to somebody, you know, pay it forward, (laughs) pass it along to somebody you think would appreciate it, would like it. And with that said, I'm really sad because I think that this may be my last episode in this setting. Um, As some of you may know, I'm relocating down 
to Florida. It's like another country. I'm excited. You know, it's very chaotic, very, very crazy. So anyway, emotions, feelings, memories in the corner of my mind. Hey, goodbyes, but it's not goodbye. It's just see you later, but take all of this in. Cause this may be the last time you're going to see it. LOL. If I do another episode here and you're, it's like that moment when you like see someone in a grocery store and then you were having small talk and you say bye and you bump into them again by the frozen pizza. So awkward. So I don't think we're going to have a frozen pizza. Like, I don't think we're going to be shooting in here again after all this goodbye, but take it all in. And, um, yeah, last words are, um, fuck you to the mainstream media, eat my dust and eat your heart out. Okay. While you're at it.